What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. such thing as death. Life is only a dream, and we are the imagination of ourselves. Welcome to My Third Eye, prying open your thought, truth, and reality, questioning everything and anything from conspiracies, cryptic, spiritual, natural healing, and everything else there is to encounter. Everything we think is not real, just might be real. Welcome to My Third Eye. Um, so the past couple years I've been really... I, I guess I've been really fortunate to be able to do these artist residencies. So I'm a composer. That's like my my real job. Um, I got my master's in April music composition, but um, I've been able to go to these artist residencies and do these foraged sound dinners. So um, I write a bunch of music, um, put it all together in an album, and then make like a nine course meal. And because I do, I love to cook. I'm just really bad at cooking. Well, hello there, and welcome back to this week's episode of M3E. I have Gabriella. She goes by the Chaotic Forager on TikTok and Instagram. I know there's a lot of talk and what have you about TikTok, but hey, we covered that on Cunt, and uh, you know where I stand on it. I've been wanting to talk to her for quite some time because she has a vast knowledge of mushrooms and foraging, and that's something that I have a great passion for. Uh, not only just in a survival situation, but in day-to-day situations as well. If this isn't in your wheelhouse and it's not something, I get it. Um, when you have your own podcast, sometimes you do personal things where you want to get to talk about things that you know you really enjoy. And that's what I did. I reached out and booked this episode. So having said that, if you want it in its entirety, ad-free, go over to My Third Eye Podcast. Actually, yeah, My Third Eye Podcast. Sorry, I'm sitting here to brain farting because uh the dogs and what have you patreon.com forward slash my third eye podcast ad free three five and ten dollar tiers again shout out to uh shelby and catalyst jones the newest patreons over there and uh thank everybody else for the support um also do not forget about purepetwellness.com goes to checkout gets you 20 percent off your entire order and you can use that promo code as many times as you want. So if you order something, 
and you check out and you're like, oh crap, I wanted something else. You can go back and get 20% off that again. So again, purepetwellness.com. I can't say enough good things about this company and they take care of me and their customers very, very well. So having said all that, I'm going to get out of here. I hope you do like this week's episode. And I know I did. And the next time you hear from me, we'll be talking at the tavern. So uh, which will be a Friday. That means the end of the week. So enjoy the last of this. It's hump day. And uh, yeah, we're halfway through the week. So enjoy. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of M3E. Uh, Today, I finally have a guest on that I've been wanting to get on for quite some time uh, just to cover the topics of uh, mushrooms and foraging and, you know, living off the the land as it is. And I've been following Chaotic Forager on TikTok and Instagram uh, and love the content that she brings. So tonight I give you Gabrielle, the Chaotic Forager. How are you? I'm okay. How are you? I'm doing great. Like I said, I've been looking forward to uh, this interview uh, all day because I have a great passion for going out mushroom hunting and Mm. the videos that you post and, uh, you know, it's brought knowledge to me. I'm still trying to find the the big puffball mushroom. I just can't (laughs) seem to come across it here in central Pennsylvania, but I do remember seeing them as kids. So I grew up in Pennsylvania. Oh, nice. What what part? Uh, northeastern Pennsylvania. Okay. I'm right, right, Deb, right in the center, right above uh, nice. Harrisburg, I guess you could say. I have been to Harrisburg many a time. I know the ecology there. Yeah. They're uh, out there. They're out there. Uh, you, you think? <laughs> yeah. I try to, I try to avoid uh, most of the bigger cities here in Pennsylvania, but you know, I, <laughs> I live in little rural, you know, blink of an eye, you're, you're through the town and, and I love going out hiking and uh, you know, like I said, I been love studying and and foraging for mushrooms i do have a small background in in like survival training and and what have you from military and this and that so you know living off the land i'm i know i could do but i'm always in the mood to learn more you know what Mm. plants what local vegetation can you eat you know obviously everybody knows you can eat a cat catty nine tail or a cattail you just don't eat the stuffing (laughs) you'd be surprised how many people don't know that yeah and when i see people and and you made a video poking fun at it and i I loved it because it's like i could honestly see people doing that and you know whatever but you know i well it's funny because it was kind of calling back to a video that somebody made that was clearly kind of a comedic moment that they weren't really expecting to um, be quite as explosive as they thought, but some guy just out in a bog just bites on it like a hot dog and it just explodes in his mouth. Uh, and it was, it was very funny because, you know, he went from one second, just making a funny video to the next, his mouth is just filled with fluff. Uh, it's just expanding in his mouth. It was, it was quite funny, but you know, since that, since that, that's stuck in my mind is, is a good example of why we need to listen to all of the information that's being communicated about the edibility of an organism and not just uh, the surface level. Is it edible or is it not? Very, very good point. Now, before we get going too far, because I, I contend to do this, I did forget to do one thing. Let people know where they can find all your stuff, whether it's your social media, uh, your store anything sure i don't sell anything um all my info is free you can find me at chaotic forager on all the platforms and uh my website is chaoticforager.com so anything that i've made you can you can find in one of those places awesome i was uh, uh, telling my buddy at work uh today that, that about this interview and he goes what does she go by on instagram and i said chaotic forager he goes I could see the gears turning. He goes, does she wear colorful glasses? I said, yeah, that's her. And he goes, yeah, I've watched some of her reels too. And and he got all excited because he's like, man, when I was watching him, I thought of you and this and that. And I was like, yeah, like I'm so stoked. So what got you into uh, this line of, uh, I guess, studying and, and learning? Yeah. Um, well, I like to tell people I've been a forager since I was a little kid. Um, I grew up like I said, in Northeastern Pennsylvania, um, 
with a, a marsh behind my house and it was all just blueberries everywhere. Um, so it was a really, it was a really good place to grow up, fun place to be a kid. I don't think I wore shoes for the first 15 years of my life, but, um, and I was homeschooled, but, uh, you know, from the time I was little, I, I just associated being out in nature with picking food because I was so obsessed with blueberry season, um, learned a few other plants, you know, I was eating, I was eating other stuff, but blueberries were like my big love. So I really started out as a berry picker. Um, and then as the years went on, I, I moved to a city. I wasn't as connected to um, spending time outside. And I wondered why I was getting really, really depressed. <laughs> and then when I was like 25, I, I sort of rediscovered nature through the avenue of mushrooms. Um, mm. I found a mushroom, didn't know what it was. Um, long story short, ended up getting it identified in a Facebook group, found out it was edible. And after some hemming and hawing, I decided to try it. And it was great. It was, you know, so much better than any mushroom that I'd had in the grocery store. Um, and then I woke up and I wasn't dead the next day. So I was <laughs> like, well, maybe there are other mushrooms that won't make me dead. And, you know, from there, the, the information's there. It, it's just you kind of have to pick through it. Um, you know, sometimes you have to deal with a few bad attitudes online um, because sometimes people are not very nice when you're starting to learn something new. But um, I watched, I learned, I picked things up. I got some books and um, really just wanted to kind of change the uh, change the playing field a little bit because I felt like a lot of people would be interested in learning about mushrooms. But that uh, sometimes the the entry hazing was a little much. Yes. And that's one thing I do love about the content <laughs> that you create is because you make, you make it fun and you don't, you bring the knowledge of someone that has really studied, like could have went to university and this is their doctorate degree, but you, you give it in a way that someone like me can, can completely understand and not feel judged to reach out and maybe ask a question. And you, do, you, you come, I'm trying to dance around it without kind of saying, it, but, but you, you don't bring the Paul Stamets Avenue with it. You know what I mean? He does good work, but there's, there's a little him haw with him. You know what I mean? And, and I, I do like his work and his dedication, but it's not for everybody. You know, I think that um, if there's one thing I will say, it's that Paul uh, got a lot of people into mushrooms. Yes. Um, his enthusiasm for mycology is infectious. And um, it's also it's also like very masculine. And sometimes that's great, you know, and sometimes you just need um, you need somebody who's kind of willing to meet you where you are instead of trying to drag you to where they are. Um, so I try to meet people where they are and remember what it was like when I didn't know anything at all and how um, embarrassed I was all the time by having to ask all these questions. But like, I want people to ask questions because in the end, we should really want people to get into mushroom conservation. We should want people to get into foraging and learning how to live with the land. Absolutely. And I remember, I think it was two summers ago, I was out mowing my yard and I have a little tiny stream that run, runs by my yard. Most, most of the time, it's just a tiny little stream. Every now and again, when it rains, it gets very angry. Uh, but I was mowing and I noticed these berries growing in a tree. I'm like, wait a minute, because I when we moved in, I saw these little trees, you know, sprouting up. I'm, I'm just going to let them grow. You know what I mean? I privacy for one, and and it's good for the environment. So I pulled a leaf off, and I went on uh, Google and identified the leaf, and come to find out, I have a mulberry tree, and I was ah. stoked. So the birds gave me like I think I have like three or four mulberry trees now, and I just keep letting them grow and. You know, hopefully, maybe next year or this spring or whatever, I can uh, harvest some and make some jelly or or even make a pie. You know, who knows? But it just uh, it, it, yeah. it was fun to come across. You know what I mean? Because it kind of reminded me when I grew up in Idaho, we'd always go looking around spring or fall. I forget which, which one it was, but for choke cherries. 
And most people don't Love know. Love choke cherries. Yes. And we'd make, it was a yearly thing and we'd make choke cherry jelly or jam. And to this day, you know, it's hard to find here on the East Coast. The closest I can find is sour cherry jam, but it's still not choke cherry. Choke cherries are often grown as ornamentals. I actually have better luck finding choke cherry in cities than I do finding it out in the country. No kidding. Uh, because it's often out in the country, there's more of a tree canopy to contend with. So the trees have to grow taller. Um, and then even if you find the right tree, you might you might not be able to reach the fruit. Uh, but the best choke cherry score I've ever had was outside of a Walmart. Really? Yeah, That's there were like awesome. seven trees planted there as ornamentals. I had a great time. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'll have to keep that in mind. <laughs> Maybe I'll get, have the same luck here in Pennsylvania. I didn't really notice or put two and two together that people would, you know, plant them for de- you know or decoration or ornamental or whatever. But, hey, it's amazing what you can find when you're looking for it in a city. It is. Yeah. There's a lot of biodiversity in cities. Yes, there is. Uh, what... What is your favorite, if you were to be in a city, would you go to maybe like a local park or just walk around the streets? Because I, I know I, I'm not a big person of picking your medicine right by a road, but sometimes that, that, that happens. So it kind of depends on what you're on what you're foraging. Um, so if I'm looking for, say, like amelanchi or juneberries, um, I'm going to look in. My cat is just like all over the place right now. Dude, <laughs> chill. Um, but it, let's say I'm looking for June Marys. Um, I'm going to go to businesses because businesses love to plant them as ornamentals. Um, and I'm not going to worry so much about whether they're growing on the side of the road or not because plants are typically going to have the highest concentration of heavy metals and contaminants in their root systems. Um so if I'm going, if I'm looking at that, I go, well, I'm not picking the roots of these June berries. I'm picking the fruit. Um, so I don't worry about that with, with berries or apples or other types of fruit. Um, you know, a lot of the plants that I harvest from, that I harvest fruit from are going to be, um, kind of right in the middle of things. But if I was to say, like, get chicory, um, and I want to harvest the roots for something, I would look for somewhere that's a little more off the beaten path, that's away from places like railroad tracks or um, or busy streets, because, you know, that's going to be in the zone where I'm going to get a lot of more, like, heavy metal contamination, I'm going to get, like, the dog pee zone, stuff like that, like... When I pick berries and people are like, oh, aren't you worried about dog pee? I'm like, I've literally never met a dog that could pee nine feet in the air. So I think we're good. (laughs) Um, But, you know, if you're talking about a plant that is like in a rosette on the ground, then, yeah, I I might be a little bit more cautious about where I collect my food in that case. Yeah. (laughs) Unless you're into cryptids and dog man, maybe a dog man can pee that high. But uh, I've yet to see a dog man. So uh, I'm going to follow your rule of thumb. (laughs) But uh you spoke of chicory. Um, I know there's certain things you can do with the chicory root. Do you want to expand on that? Yeah. Um, when it's roasted, chicory root can taste a little bit like coffee. And actually during the Great Depression, when it was really difficult to get coffee and it was expensive, um, a lot of people, and this is a common wartime thing, a lot of people would take chicory root and roast it and either cut the coffee that they had with it or just drink it as a coffee substitute. Oh, nice. Yeah. So let's get back to mushrooms for a little bit. What was the first, you, you mentioned you found a mushroom and it, and it was edible. What what was that mushroom? It was a honey mushroom. Uh, at the time it was called Armillaria tabescens. It's since been reclassified in the United States to Desarmillaria caspitosa. Um, and it's this big, beautiful clump of mushrooms that all kind of grow together in uh, usually around like mid to late fall, um, they are parasitic. So they they will kill a tree and they have these little rhizomes that they'll kind of shove up under the bark of a living tree and they'll grab on and suck all the nutrients out. Um, so I'm not aware of any honey mushrooms that are inedible. Uh, as far as I know, all of them are edible, but they can cause a little bit of stomach upset in some people. Okay. I'm. Let me, I pull up, I have this app. And I don't know, have you ever tried it? It's called Picture This, but it's for mushrooms. 
Uh, it's kind of garbage, honestly. Is it? Okay. Um, yeah, there, there are a lot of reasons why apps aren't super helpful for mushrooms. Um, but the main one is that most of the time mushrooms can't be identified just from their morphological characteristics. Generally, you need to, um, you need to like input information that isn't available to an AI. So, um, one important thing is size. So the AI can't usually tell the relative size of the mushroom that you're looking at. Mm. So it might mistake, um, say, like a maitake for a turkey tail because they have relatively similar visible features, but okay. they're completely different sizes. Um, other things that are important for a mushroom ID are things like smell, um, location, um, associated trees. And those aren't going to be things that you can input into an AI. Um, one app that I do really like is um, iNaturalist, and there are a few reasons why I like it. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. But the main one is that a lot of really smart people hang out on iNaturalist and do research grade um, identification confirmations. Okay. So um, they will look through like all the mushrooms that were posted that day and identify them for you. And I'm more I'm more inclined to trust a person than I am to trust an AI. Very very good point. I will uh, I will actually download that that app and probably get rid of the other one. Um, the only reason I, 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 I used it to begin with just for common reference, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am familiar with, you know, what, uh, turkey tail looks like. Uh, you know, you, you got lion's mane. I, I have a nice little honey hole where I can get some lion's mane and Ooh, yeah, definitely keep that one secret. Yeah. But here's the funny thing. It's on a, it's on this, the, the boy scouts in this area built this walking trail through, uh, made a path through this little section of woods and it was to identify different trees. Well, I was poking around two falls ago and I found one lion's mane. And I was like, well, I know exactly what that is. It's no poisonous look like. Mm-hmm. So I cut it, brought it home, cleaned it up, fried it up with just a tiny little butter. And the wife and I ate it. And I was just like, if I could find a whole stash of this, I would make a chowder out of this new England style <laughs> chowder and, and not put any clams in it. And this year when I went back, I noticed it was growing on three or four different trees in, in around the area. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep this quiet. But I was out there and this couple had walked by and they're like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just looking for mushrooms. And they're like, oh, okay, have fun with that. And kept on walking. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, <laughs> but to go back to that one cluster of mushroom that you were just talking about, I'm not sure. I think I might have came across that, but the app said it was poisonous and deadly. So I I don't know. And I was trying to look for the picture. Maybe I didn't snap it or whatever, but it was on a dead, dead stump. And I I mean, it looked like a whole bunch of mushrooms just growing in, in, in a cluster. And I was just like, man. And then it said, oh, you know, poisonous or whatever. And I'm like, man, that sucks because they don't, you know, I mean, (laughs) you could say that with a lot of mushrooms. It doesn't look poisonous. And then you don't wake, <laughs> then you don't wake up. Yeah, I mean, usually when people say something doesn't look poisonous, I ask them, "Well, what does a poisonous mushroom look like?" It, right, because <laughs> uh, the ones that like okay, take chicken in the woods. You wouldn't think that was edible with its coloring. You know what I mean? No, someone was very brave at one point. Yeah, I would like to to shake the hand of of a lot of the first people that tried a lot of these mushrooms, and and then you get into people that eat the amanita and it's like Mm -hmm. okay you know who i eat some of them yeah but i'm picky about them there are some people who are braver than i am or or perhaps are just more confident in their identifications than i am yeah i've i've yet to come across across any i i don't believe yet but um 
Yeah, it, it it's fun though. But I remember finding my first chicken of the woods and bringing that home, and I was just like, "Oh, this, this is good." And you're right; they blow all mushrooms in the grocery store out of the water. It's true, they do. I remember my first chicken too, um, and it was in a public park in the middle of Indianapolis. Oh wow! Yeah, I actually had the opportunity to go back to. Uh, Indianapolis to give a talk and was able to go back to the chicken tree and it was in fruit. So it was very exciting. Oh, nice. Yeah. I, where I found my first one, um, I deliver building products. So I was on a job site waiting for a different crew to kind of move their vehicle so I could make a delivery. And where they built this house was like kind of in the middle of a field, but they had a, a, a tree line. And I was like, I'll just go walk down the tree line, poke around walked down and all of a sudden I looked down and I was getting ready to turn around and looked down. And I'm like, Oh shit. Oh, okay. Grabbed it, put it, you know, carried it back to the truck, put it in the truck and came home and cleaned it up and made that with some, I made chicken parm that night and then kind of snuck that in on the side just to see what the family, and they're like, Oh man, those, those breaded bits were good. I'm like, yeah, that, that was chicken of the woods. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's one. Uh, my brother doesn't like mushrooms. Uh, so I, I keep uh, I keep thinking. Okay, what can I what can I give him next to try? Um, he didn't like morels, so I'm starting to really think maybe he doesn't like mushrooms. But but I have to keep trying. So um, I did a um, a recipe that I that I've made for years with chicken and just used chicken of the woods. And he he was nice. He ate some of it, but I don't know. I think it's because he knew it was mushrooms. I don't have the heart to trick anybody, right? But uh, but I think that uh, it's still worth uh, worth trying to get him to to like something. It would make my day if if there was one mushroom I could find that he would like. D- does he like seafood? Eh, not much. Not much. So then he wouldn't like yeah. lion's mane. So no, I think I think the next thing I'm going to do is give him some of my candy cap bourbon. Ooh, ooh, do because explain. candy caps are a mushroom. So. That might be the one mushroom that he likes. So you made bourbon out of some candy caps. No, I did, I, I wish I could. I wish I had the equipment to make oh. bourbon. I uh, I infused some candy caps in bourbon. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. Can you elaborate on that? Just you just drop them in. Just let them soak. You or? just drop them in. You dry them first because they get a lot more pungent when you dry them. But mm-hmm. then you just you just soak them. And um, have you ever had a candy cap? No, I have not. They have a very, very strong maple syrup smell. Like oh. think maple syrup and then amplify it by about 10,000. It's almost sickly at points. So you go very sparingly with them, but uh, but they are a beautiful mushroom. And I finally got to find some out in California when I was out there, uh, like right after Thanksgiving uh, with my friend Gordon. And uh, it was very, it was a very exciting moment. Now I can see why you said you infused it with some bourbon. Oh yeah, yeah, maple bourbon. Like yeah, like wow, it's a it's a good one. <laughs> it's a, it's a good vibe. How would it pair with bacon? Oh, incredibly well, I'm sure. Oh, that that man or scrapple. I'm. You could do like a like a caramelized bourbon bacon thing or scrapple. Yeah. yeah. Pennsylvania people we've both had scrapple yeah it's a it's an acquired taste I didn't like it when I first moved out here I I like it now but I like it has to be crispy for for me to like it (laughs) (laughs) I don't like it when it's all mushy and and what have you but I'm I'm the type that puts syrup on mine and that I don't know that just sounds like it would pair well with it but it sounds it would probably be pretty tasty yeah so what other mushrooms uh are there to get into that that okay I never heard of a candy cap um let's let's start exploring different mushrooms that you can find just okay maybe on here on the east coast or central u.s whatever yeah i mean there are there are lots there are more than i could go over in you know a short little podcast with you but um but there are there are many many types of edible mushrooms if you look at the number of mushrooms worldwide we don't we don't even know how many mushrooms there are worldwide because we're still in the process of like classifying them and and naming them um 
heck, we're still naming North American mushrooms because we just borrowed European names for them. Um, we're, we're like giving them Latin names, but many of them have names that have unfortunately either been lost to time or have been uh, disregarded because they're in indigenous languages. But um, but here we have, I mean, we have a lot of mushrooms that will kind of give you like a crab vibe, if that's what you want. Certainly your lion's mane. We also have Hericium americanum and Hericium coralloides here in the Midwest. Um, I think you have americanum out east. I'm not sure if you have coralloides, but the bear's head tooth and the coral tooth. Hey, that's what I was um, just going to ask. Is that the bear's mm-hmm. head and the, the coral tooth? Okay. Yes. Um, and both of them are delicious as well. Um I pick a lot of chanterelles. Um, chanterelles are certainly a thing all over, uh, all over the country. As long as you've got trees that they're mycorrhizal with, you'll find chanterelles eventually. What uh, um, what trees are they uh, commonly found around? I find them a lot around hickory. Um, okay. Sometimes around oak. Um, some people will say maple. I've never found them around maple, um, but. Uh, but generally, I find I find my chanterelles around uh, around hardwood trees. Um, out on the west coast, you can find them growing with the redwoods, which mm. is really cool. Um, there are other there are other types of trees that they'll grow with as well, but um, there just are not as many tree varieties on the west coast. Um, I pick a lot of lactarius. So mm. there are a number of edible lactaria species. These are kind of like an intermediate level mushroom because there are also some toxic ones. Uh, most of the toxic ones taste bad, though. That is one nice thing about lactarius. If it tastes sweet, then you're pretty much good to go. Okay. Um, the lactarius indigo, I don't know if you've ever seen that mushroom, Mm-mm. but it is a brilliant blue color. Um and it bleeds blue as well. I actually have a couple of videos about it on my account, but yes. they are really cool. Actually, this is the one, if you scar the gills or even cut it in half, it, it starts basically bleeding and it, it's very mm-hmm. blue. Yes, I, I have seen yes. videos of it. I've never seen it in the wild. Yeah, and... Um, you know, people were accusing me of like doing all of this filtering. And I'm like, I did a little color correction because it was cloudy out. But what you're seeing is what I saw. Like it was so beautiful, so brilliantly blue. Um, so it's very fun to find those. Now, um, there's also an orange one. How? Because that's a common thing with, with psilocybin. If if a mushroom bruises and it turns blue, it, it, you're going to trip your, your head off. Um how would someone know the difference between the two? Well, um, morphologically, they're extremely different. Okay. Um, there are many mushrooms that will bruise or bleed blue, okay. um, including many bolites. Um, you have a lot of bolites out in Pennsylvania, especially if you go into a cemetery in like, you know, early part of August, you're going to find so many blue staining beliefs, it'll make your head spin. Um, but beliefs are mushrooms that typically have like a sponge underneath. They have pores mm. rather than gills. Okay. Um, your magic mushrooms are not going to have pores. Okay. Um, uh, as far as like telling a lactarius apart, um, lactarius do not bruise blue. Um, they bleed blue. So, um, psilocybin mushrooms do not um they do not bleed they okay. they only bruise if you pinch them nothing's coming out but the color will will change um typically magic mushrooms also have a purple spore print so if you've mm. never done a spore print before it's a really good skill to learn um it's just a simple tool that you that you can use to identify lots of different mushrooms not just magic ones but you just cut the the stem or the stipe of the mushroom off and place it gill side down on a piece of paper and wait a couple hours and when you lift that mushroom the spores that were underneath the cap will have deposited onto the surface and you'll be able to see what color the spores are and that can be a really good indicator for uh, what type of mushroom you have it can help to um, identify two species that are different from one another hmm. but to, may look similar I'll yeah to keep that in mind yeah, generally what people do is they don't mix up like 
a bolete or a lactarius with a magic mushroom, um, they'll be mixing up potentially something more dangerous or just something that's very benign, like a little, like a little satharella or something like that. Just these little wood chip mushrooms. Um, but yeah, in general, um, here in the Midwest, there are certainly species of magic mushrooms. I have found them before. Um, you have a few in Pennsylvania, I think a few more than we do here in like Michigan, but uh, they can be harder to identify. So um, in general, if you're going looking for magic mushrooms, you're probably going to be disappointed. You'll have a, yeah. a lot more fun if you go looking for edible mushrooms. Yes. Uh, and th- I don't go looking for the magic kind, I, but I do know that that was, you know, like a one of those urban legends. Okay. Oh, it's blue. If it mm-hmm. bruises blue or whatever, oh, it, it's a it's a magic mushroom. Um, there, there's another video, and a lot of people do post this. You can eat. Let me rephrase that. You can put any mushroom in your mouth, chew it, and get a taste for it. As long as you don't swallow it, it will not kill you. Is that is there truth to that? That is a hundred percent true. Okay. Um, mushrooms are actually much safer to handle than plants are. Um, I can think of half a dozen plants off the top of my head that can cause um, dermatological reactions if you touch them, uh, and that can certainly cause real problems even if you just taste them and spit them out. Um, There is no mushroom that is going to cause you any lasting damage if you taste it, if you touch it. You can touch any mushroom you want, you can taste any mushroom you want, but you need to make sure that you spit out everything that went into your mouth uh, after you have tasted it. It's actually a really helpful identification tool. Um, I use taste when I'm determining what uh, a lactarius or a russula might be. Um, Some beliefs, I will will taste them to determine edibility because um, I don't want to put something that's super, super bitter in my food. taste can can be a really helpful indicator um, when you're trying to determine like a species or a subspecies when you've got the genus. Hmm. Well, that's g- good to know that I wasn't watching false information, you know what I mean? Because there, there's mm-hmm. people that put really stupid things out there and, and have people thinking for years, you know, even growing up, I thought, man, you can't, you better wear gloves if you're going to touch mushrooms, you know, because it, it, it'll leach through your skin and poison you and this and that and then you know you grow up you watch some videos you do some reading and and you find out okay that was complete and utter bs and yeah no it's true uh you know a lot of people um will you know hop on my hop on my videos but because i also talk about toxic mushrooms because we need to talk about them if you're going to know what not to bring home you need to be able to recognize um the characteristics of a specific toxic mushroom that might be in your area so that you don't go all dunning kruger and you know eat it thinking it's something else but i'll i'll frequently get comments on those videos where i'm talking about say like omnita bisporgera the destroying angel where people are like oh so it's this super deadly mushroom but you're like sticking it up near your face and you're holding it with your bare hands um yeah because that's safe that's uh, one of the first mushrooms i actually fine. found was the <laughs> mm-hmm. the destroying angel i'm like oh look at this little guy and i you know was using the app at the time and it came oh <laughs> destroying angel fitting <laughs> it'll kill me nice <laughs> Like, uh, I think that it's important that we respect these organisms because um, it's it's important to it's important to have that good relationship with the land around you to have this this reciprocal relationship. And part of that is is not being disrespectful. You know, I'm not going to just pick something up and wave it around and stick it in my mouth just to um, just to make a point. Uh, But uh, I, I, while I'm holding this highly toxic mushroom where I know that a bite or two could kill me uh, or cause me to need organ transplants, um, I have that in mind. You know, right. this is this is dangerous. This is a dangerous thing that I'm that I'm handling. And it's important that even if you're not dealing with a toxic mushroom, that you still have that mindset uh, where you are uh, you're, you're, you're humble in its presence because we're not all knowing and we are choosing to trust ourselves and our knowledge when we forage and uh people make mistakes they do 
why it's important to be careful every time you pick something. I I know my mushrooms really, really well, um, but I still go through the process of examining them to make sure that what I've picked uh, is is food and not poison. Which it falls right in line even with, I mean, it's no different than gun safety. You know what I mean? It's like you treat any gun that's handed to you as if it's loaded, whether it's a toy gun or a real gun. It's no different than, than, you know, foraging for, for mushrooms or plants or anything else. You know, you keep in the back of your mind and be conscious that, hey, some of these things are deadly and I have to handle them in a, in a respectful manner. And, it, and it's a good good practice to always stay in. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, um, when you said that you were in the military and I'm sure you were taught when you were in the military that you have to really respect your tools Mm -hmm. um, and you have to really respect the fact that things are not always predictable. You know, I was I was just out picking mushrooms um, very late last year in an area with a lot of dead trees and a windstorm kicked up. I can't I can't control that, uh, but I can handle myself safely by by respecting the environment around me and going, okay, trees are falling all around me. Uh, It's time to go. Yeah, (laughs) it's time to get out. So what are some of your favorite uh, mushrooms to eat and forage? Obviously, morel is probably up there. On, on the at least top five or maybe even top three, I would assume. Mm, morels are fun. Um, morels are fun because it's such a game to find them. Um, I have yet to find one. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. So and everybody get, keeps I their stash so super mm-hmm. secret. You know what I mean? Everybody does keep their morel spots very secret. Um, I am and maybe a little bit less secretive with mine. I have definitely handed a morel spot to somebody that I thought was trustworthy. But um but yeah, I love I love looking for morels because they are one of the first mushrooms that that you can go find in the spring and I've been cooped up inside my house all winter and I'm I'm bored and I want to get outside and smell the mushrooms and I want to I want to be in nature again. So it's always very nice to to go out looking for them. Um, I love looking for chanterelles too, because that's kind of the beginning of like the big summer rush. They're delicious mushrooms, but they're also just fun to find. It's like, it's like picking up gold, uh, because they're this bright yellow color. Um, they're so pretty. They're so fun. Um, I really like eating them. Um, I get very excited during big polypore season. Um, mm. So like when I can find a big chicken of the woods or um, or hen of the woods, hen of the woods season, I'm always a little bit sad because it means that mushroom season is coming to an end, but, but they are possibly my favorite polypore. They're just delicious. Um, it's really hard because I just... At this point, like I have so many mushrooms, like I don't, I don't always need to go out and collect them. I just like going to visit them and going to find them. It's, it's such a fun thing to do. Uh, At this point, uh, I I think that it's a good thing. I find myself collecting less and less because um, I'm just surrounded by this bounty all the time. I mean, I mean, you can see all the jars behind me. Like that's a fraction of the food that I have stuffed into this apartment. so I I give away a lot more mushrooms than I used to. Um, I leave a lot more mushrooms than I used to. Um, the the percentage of of mushrooms that I pick at this point is is so relatively tiny that um, I feel that that has been very good for for my relationship with the forest because um, it's not as much take. It's it's a lot more give at this point. Right, and. I don't know. People can sit here and say what they want. I'm a firm believer. I've always, I've been in the woods since I was a little kid, you know, growing up in Idaho and moving out here. Uh, Now the woods are different in Idaho than they are here in Pennsylvania. Obviously they're a lot, you know, thicker and dense out here. And I'm one of those people and it may sound woo woo, hippy dippy, but I, I, I don't care. You get out in the woods and the woods start, the forest starts talking to you. And I, I think it's weird, but I don't know. Sometimes I know when, like if I'm looking for mushrooms, it may not be a mushroom that I can necessarily eat or have the confidence to pick or identify, 
but it's like, I know there's, there's a mushroom, there's mushrooms around here and I'll, and I'll find one. And then there's times where it's like, now they're not here. And it's almost like they communicate. You know what I mean? You know, it, I'm a firm believer that the animals communicate with you as in, in their own little way. You just have to pay attention to it. You know, just as, you know, the weather will talk to you. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm not a very spiritual person, but I do, um, I do believe in the, the value of all of these, uh, all these different forms of life. I don't, I don't place one above the other. So when I go out into a forest, um, I'm really trying to listen to it. Um, trying to recognize the, um, the pressure points and the, spots that are doing well. And um, I really like to observe forests over time. So generally in the summer, what I'll do is I'll pick, um, I'll pick one place. Um, Usually it's, you know, let's say 50 acres somewhere um, in a public park, maybe. And I'll, I'll walk that same path um, every day for about a month, just to just to get a sense of like what the place is about. And I'll do some foraging in there. Um, I'll make some videos. I'll pick some food. I'll gorge myself on some berries, but, but I'm really there to kind of just get a feel for the place. Um, And it, I find that it just does, it does a lot for me. And it also helps me to know exactly how to help. Like what are the, what are the wild plants that I can introduce to this area that are going to benefit from the existing environment or that are going to help correct uh, a problem that I see. Um, so I do a lot of planting, which I, which I've really come to enjoy in the past few years. Um, if you're ever in Kalamazoo and you find one of my little ramp patches, <laughs> you'll have to, you'll have to let me know because I'm working on about 10 of them across the city right now. And uh, it's been really fun to work on those little pocket projects. Those are the, the wild onion. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just saw a video today. Um, I want to say the lady was in Virginia or West Virginia, but she had a bag full of ramps and she's like, this is for my homeless friend. And she, she picked them and was on her way to deliver them. And I'm like, man, that, that's a good find. You know what I mean? I, I, ha- I don't get a chance to find too many of them. I haven't found any yet. I will go in the spring and summer in my yard, I have just under an acre and I'll pick the wild, uh, spring onions or wild garlic, whatever they want to call. I bring them in, chop, chop them up for chives and, and throw them in a dish, you know? And I sure. remember the one time my neighbor's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just foraging for food for, for tonight's dinner. And she's like, you can eat those. I'm like, yeah, you can eat them. <laughs> the number of times I've been asked, wait, you can, you can eat that. Yeah. Yeah. Believe it or not. Then, then you we, bl- there are about 400,000 plants that we have named worldwide. And it's estimated that about 200,000 of them are edible. Wow. And how many, okay. So how many plants do you think the average American eats? How many different species of plants do you think the average American eats? Different species. Uh mm-hmm. Not like subspecies or something like different species of apples, but just like how many different species of plants do you think the average American eats? Maybe three. Uh, it's more than that. Okay. It's 30, but okay. the vast majority of our plant calories do come from three sources, uh, which are wheat, corn, and rice. Okay. Yeah. But there's, you know, the United States is not is not a unique place. Like, actually, it's unique in that we have a tremendous amount of of biodiversity. Um, so we could be eating a lot more plants. Yeah, it, it's it's funny. A couple when, when was it? Probably about four or five years ago. It was brought to my attention that the whole dandelion plant is edible. And I remember oh, yeah. being a kid and being told the the white substance in the stem was poisonous, and we had you you, you know. You, don't, don't touch that. Don't get it on your skin and this and that. Well, here, come to find out, it was just propaganda that was pushed out by Monsanto and Bayer and all that to kill your dandelion because that's the best plant you can ingest for your heart. And, you know, oh, my God, we got to get rid of that and get on big pharma. You know what I mean? So it's like, no. Yeah, I think that um, a lot of times it's 
actual information that is true about another plant or another organism that gets attached to a plant that has nothing to do with that one. So um, when we're talking about like the the white latex that's in uh, dandelions, Mm -hmm. it tastes pretty bad. There are some plants that there's enough latex that it makes it pretty difficult to eat them. Um, it's part of why dandelions are, are rather bitter, especially later in the season. Right. Um, a- another good example would be um, the Osage orange. Uh, uh, they they contain a lot of of that that plant latex, uh, and it makes them super super bitter. Like you wouldn't be able to to eat one. Um, you can eat the little seeds inside, but you have to. It's a lot of work to get them out. But um, but there are plants that do secrete. Uh, that do secrete chemicals that can really hurt you. Um, so, for example, if you were to uh, come across uh, a certain, like, let's say an APACA, like uh, like giant hogweed, for example, or some of its relatives, and you were to break it and get the juices of that plant on your skin, it would make it very, very photosensitive. Um, so you could end up with third-degree burns just from walking in the sun. Ooh. But... There are also the the other thing is that these plants are also edible. So you have to be mindful of those those photoreactive chemicals when you are harvesting those plants. So wear gloves, use clippers, wash your hands when you get inside, don't stay out in the sun too long. But um but I'm sure that some of that some of that real information has just been like transposed to other plants that have nothing to do with that whatsoever. And I'm sure that's how we ended up determining, you know, in in our urban lore that some of uh, some mushrooms are poisonous to touch uh, because um, we know that is not true. Uh, people who work with mushrooms know that mushrooms can't hurt you by touching them, but um the average person doesn't know that, and the the general consensus is well, better safe than sorry. Right. But you-, uh, you know, when our food system starts collapsing because we're reliant on generally about three organisms to carry the whole thing, uh, maybe upwards of forty or fifty, then uh, it it's actually not better safe than sorry. It's just we tried to be safe, but now we're sorry. Right. Uh, what was it? Was it last year? Yeah, I want to say about about a year ago. Uh, I was looking for natural supplements for for blood pressure and what have you, and I came across this, you know beetroot, and I forget one other substance. Uh, so I got some dried powder, you know beetroot pills. Well, I just took the recommendation that was on the bottle, three pills, you know, in the morning. I was like, okay, you know, after about a a week. And I contributed to the the time of the year. You know, my back was getting a little itchy here and there, dry skin, whatever. Well, one day I'm standing there at work and I break out in hives. My face starts swelling up and I'm taking myself to the hospital and come to find out I was going into anaphylactis. So they gave me an EpiPen and it, it calmed everything down and um, what have you. But here I was allergic to, to beetroot and People do need to take caution with, with certain things. I would have never thought that because I can eat beets. I no problem. Love them. Pickle beets, beet, whole, cook them for a meal, whatever. But there's something in in drying the beetroot that my body does not like. And interesting. Yeah, it, it very. It was very weird. First time I ever had hives, and and my face and lips, everything was starting to swell. I was probably fire engine red. I, Red is a stop sign. Wow. Yeah. It, it, it was yeah. a very interesting time. And uh, yeah, that is, that is important to point out. If you are a person that has, aller- like my partner has a lot of food allergies. So if you're a person with allergies and you're interested in getting into foraging, um, this is good advice no matter what, but always just try a little bit of something first because um, maybe the average person eats like 30 different plants and I eat something like 400. Um, I'm much more likely to come into contact with an allergen because my diet is inclusive of a lot more different species of plants. Well, that makes sense. You know what I mean? And like I said, I didn't even think to, to just start off small. I'm like, it's all natural. You know what I mean? But I do have a, a, a bad pollen allergy and 
it, that could have something to do with it. You know, it, it, the doctors still don't know if I'm allergic to the honey or the honeybees sting or the fact that the honeybee is in a lot of pollen and then stings me and that pollen mixture gets in me because I had uh, a bad reaction where it was swelling up my left arm and the only thing that saved it was a watch I was wearing. I mean, my hand was probably mm-hmm. f- five times the, the size it was all the way up to about my, my uh, elbow. And it was just something, one of those freak things that happened. But, you know, I, I don't know. It's weird. but So weird. Yeah. Like you said, start off small. You know, you, even you could eat chicken in the woods and I might have one bite and it just does not agree with me. I'm glad, I'm glad it does agree with me because they're very tasty. But, <laughs> you know, like you said, you got to be cautious. Yeah. The other important things are making sure that you're preparing things correctly. Um, so... Sometimes uh, plants or mushrooms will have very specific preparations that are needed in order to like leach out toxins or um, to render something edible for for other reasons. Um, you know, some some plants have a lot of oxalates that need to be uh, that need to be cooked out before you can safely eat them. Um, a good example would be the poke plant. Um, it's sometimes called poke weed. I'm trying to change that because it's not a weed. It's a really important native plant. But I've heard uh, it by poke weed. <laughs> a, it's yeah, uh, it's a very uh, important heritage food for uh, particularly people in the south, and even more particularly um, years ago, uh, enslaved Africans. Um, it was a very important part of their diet, and it's a very nutrient-dense food that also has um, certain toxins that require it to be cooked twice. So you boil it in a change of water, you boil it again, and then it's fine to eat. But you know, some plants are like this. Some plants you really do need to um, take the extra step. I can certainly think of mushrooms. Uh, uh, you know, Amanita muscaria, the most famous mushroom in the world. Yeah, that, that's um, the I, I eat that. Yeah, yeah that's the I one I was referring to a, earlier. As a yeah, as a culinary uh, as a culinary uh, mushroom, uh, and it's great. But you do have to remove the water-soluble toxins before you can um, eat it for its culinary value without, you know, having delirium symptoms. So you have to do the same thing. You you take it, you boil it, you pour off the water, you boil it again, and then you cook it. Um, and it's really tasty, but it is more work. And you do need to need to pay attention to how something needs to be cooked before just sticking in your mouth. Yeah, I follow, uh, she goes by Amanita Dreamer on Instagram. I don't know if you're familiar okay. with her. Uh, but, I'm not, but I'll have to check her out. Yeah, she she does a lot with the, the Amanita and what have you. Most people that listen to my podcast know it from, okay, that's the magic mushroom that the reindeer would eat, that how we got the story of Rudolph, and then, you know, the, the shamans at the time would drink the urine of the caribou, and they'd go off and have this trippy what have you wild adventure, you know, because they were, they were getting high off of it. But I always, I never knew you could eat it up until maybe about a year ago when I, I kind of came across her and maybe a couple others. And like you said, it's a long process to, to not, maybe not long, but it's just more steps to do before you can actually eat the the mushroom itself. It's laborious. Yeah. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, some of my favorite foods do take a pretty significant amount of of preparation, um, or you can only eat like one part of the plant or something like that. But but in general, I find it to be worthwhile. Well, yeah, I'll, you got to look at that as cooking with love, because it, if you don't go through these extra steps or make a meal, and obviously, no matter any time you're in the kitchen, there's steps that you're going to take, and some some steps of, of whatever you're making might take a little bit longer and you got to pair up the timings and what have you. I love cooking and love to throw down in the kitchen anytime I can. And that's what makes cooking fun. And that's where I always say, I'm just adding love to it. And that's what makes it taste so good. You know what I mean? And, and, (laughs) you know, obviously you got to season your food as well, but, um, please season your food. (laughs) Yes. Yes, please. Um, I want to ask you about the puffball mushroom because I remember seeing that video. And when you did that live and I hopped on the, that live a few weeks ago, uh, I had mentioned that and 
I remember seeing this video and running out to the kitchen and my wife was in the kitchen at the time. I'm like, look what this lady does with this giant puffball mushroom. And she's sitting there watching and she's like, oh, wow. Puffball pizza? I was like, yeah. And she's like, well, go find one and we'll try it. Well, I have yet to find (laughs) one, but I I do. Like, what is the taste and and texture? And because they look amazing. Yeah, the puffball pizza, uh, I I owe a lot of my success to the puffball, uh, to the puffball as an organism, because um, people just really love them on the internet. But yeah, the the thing with puffballs is you want to get them at a certain stage. So often when you find them as big as the one that I had in that video, um, they're a little too far gone. So if you cook them when they're too soft, Um, Or if they're starting to get discolored, you probably won't get sick, but they will smell like rotting feet in your kitchen. So you want to get them when they're still pretty firm on the outside, um, when they still smell fresh. You can tell pretty quickly if a puffball is off. But um, as far as like cooking them, they have a texture that's kind of similar to like a firm tofu. Okay, But that texture can be played with a little bit. Um, so what I typically do is a dry fry. So I'm the point of the dry fry is to try to pull as much moisture out of the mushroom as I can without fully dehydrating it. Um, so um, I'll usually use like some salt to kind of get that process going. But I get a cast iron really, really hot and then throw my mushroom in there and press it. Um, now I have something a little bit better than what I was using in that video. I have this cast iron lid that I just crush down, but, um, I'll use that to, to push out as much water as I can. Um, I'll let it go until I start to see it getting a little crispy on the bottom. Uh, and then I'll add oil and let that kind of finish the crispying process. So it's never going to get like as crispy as the bottom of, a dough crust, right. but it works pretty dang well, um, and it also tastes a lot better than like a cauliflower. Well, where do I start? I'm that shit. What you read in the covenant is cap. I was bred by the government. Fact check every head when it come to this upside down system. Had enough of it. Another sapien that's on the globe. Lost cold, looking for the direction, but don't nobody know. The only bit of insight that they ever sold me, I've been start to find out, doesn't really hold. Every highfalutin piece of shit hidden in a tie, high motives to align goals. Cheating on your wife, my ties at the ninth hole. Someone gotta die, they don't care, they itemize souls. Tit jobs from Botox to light bulbs, light bulbs in my head of where I might go. I'm on a tightrope, walking the sedge. And I've been wondering if anyone loves me, shit And I've been wondering if anyone loves me, yeah Fuck And I've been wondering if, look I've been hopping down this rabbit hole for quite some time To find lines that connect through to all their lies They normalize a real life poltergeist To trust Pfizer with a remedy to make you right The thought's sick I take a chance and roll my dice Because something in my stomach isn't sitting right I wanna soul search, find a place to bring in light But I can't cause Fuck I'm batshit what you read in the covenant It's cap You were fed by the government Fact check every head when it come to this upside down system Had enough of it, we batshit What we read in the covenant, it's cap We were fed by the government Fact check every head when it come to this upside down system Had enough of it I want the power to shake shit and shift shape Tap in the pineal eye without a mistake We have the power to live right and get straight But they found a way to remove this They bitch made Hey, keep on calcifying glands with your flow ride While I flow ride the valor of rhyme I'm flying high by the seat of my pants A beat speaking to me, know I'm talking back every chance Hoping one day I make it overseas or to France But in the northwest I trip without a traveling band Yeah 
And that's word to my cat plug I'm higher than giraffe puss Look what the cat drug in Now I'm scribbling this rap in the bathtub At midnight I don't fill it up with the tap cup Soaking in my cannabis suds Anything for a buzz Reclaim my residue inside of a dab jug Peel through a fat stash Burning the last nug I picture this dimension I don't want to come back from But here I am still stuck in the bathtub My brain fried but honestly I'm fine I'd rather not have one I'm batshit I'm fucking bad shit, and it's your fucking fault. It's their fault. Straight up. I'm done. I'm bad shit, what you read in the covenant. It's cap. You were fed by the government. Fact check every head when it come to this upside down system. Had enough of it. Enough of it. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.